When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Inter don't need another hero with Lautaro stepping up again as they prove that they are simply the best and leave Fiorentina in a state of shock. There were definitely a few steamy windows after all the partying and the great spirits, but I'm sure for Italiano it will all work out fine. Just our little tribute to Tina Turner there, see how many of the songs you can spot. And as always, welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. My name is Rory and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam, hey Rory, how are you this evening? It feels like we are getting into the end of season fives. I'm struggling to kind of fill up my time with the football at yeah. this moment. Side, so we've got Chelsea and uh, Man United in the background, which uh, Chelsea are doing a hopeless job of trying to win it again. Um, but more importantly, mate, how are you keeping? I'm good. Um, viewers will be able to see I'm in different surroundings and I'm trying to be a little bit more hushed because uh, I've been under very quiet. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm very good. Um, similarly, I kind of, I'm starting to get depressed already about the season being over without the season being over. I'm getting like preemptive depression about the fact that I turned to the girlfriend and I was like, what am I going to do with my weekends? She just looked at me and was like, um, hello? I was like, well, yeah, I know, but like, there's nothing to watch. So I don't know if that was a good move. Um, but how have you been, man? I've been very good, thank you. Um, yeah, I've got a last week of work until I go on holiday, so I'll be enjoying nice. myself next week. Don't have to worry about anything. But uh, yeah, a um, bit like yourself, a bit lost on these weekends. That's all yeah, I can say. It's going to be so, a long yeah, summer, guys. It's going to be a hard one. It's going to be a hard one. But we will endeavour, Rory, to do our very best, right, and ensure that we cover a few of our own little treasures and little stories that we want to cover off on this podcast, right? Exactly. There is plenty, plenty to cover. Um, Of course, we're going to talk Serie. No, we're going to talk Copper Italia final as Inter go back to back and win their ninth Copper Italia in a, I feel, a very interesting final. Um, Fascinating. Two good teams going for it, but into ultimately showing their quality. 
Um, we have some Serie B playoffs to talk about. It's all kicking off this weekend, the kind of quarterfinals. I'll be mm. trying to explain to you the complicated rules and how it works because, you know, FIGC, they like to make it complicated. Um, and in England, Adam, what are we going to be talking about? In England, we'll be kind of reminiscing about the relegation battle. So, uh, yes, obviously, we've got a few clubs that are in that mix. But more importantly, we'll also be covering off the big, juicy championship playoff between Coventry City and Luton, which, uh, Rui, which team would you prefer to uh, kind of visit? Would it be Kenilworth Road and see that dilapidated stand? Or will it be the good old Rico Arena, which is Coventry? I'm going to save my opinion for when we talk about it. There you go. There's a little mm, cliffhanger. Cliffhanger go. listener. There's a reason to keep listening. I'm going to make you wait. Um, but <laughs> I think that's everything to cover, really. So we're going to take a quick little break, and then we're going to come back with the Copper Italia after this. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And here we are, Benvenuti. It is time for the Coppa Italia final. <laughs> Wednesday night, 9 o'clock in Rome. It felt like a big occasion. It felt like a big night. You thought, mm. finally, maybe the Coppa Italia is starting to rise in importance, starting to get a bit more of a main seat. And I think this final mm. definitely didn't disappoint. Um, Fiorentina getting a super early lead. We're going to talk yeah. about, well, Handanovic didn't cover himself in glory there. But of course, <laughs> Lautaro Martinez stepping up. I think he's the informed mm. striker in Europe at the moment. The amount of goals he's bagged and manages to get the comeback for Inter. But if we start with the start of the match and an mm. incredibly, incredibly um, positive and um, encouraging start from Fiorentina. Now, obviously, the inter defending wasn't great, but for no. them to make, for them to get the goal so early, were you impressed with yeah. the start that Vincenzo Italiano had his team make? I'm not not entirely surprised because I knew there'd be high intensity to begin with, and obviously they kind of copy that philosophy that Pep has kind of mm. endeavoured with his Man City squad. Um, but I think the difference here is the quality of the players. Um, so that's the only main difference. But that said, uh, Nico Gonzalez is a player that I really Ooh. do love. I do like him. And he turned up. He really did show his worth on this. It's a shame, I think, on the night that there wasn't enough quality from the other players. We'll go into it, Rory. But Luka mm -hmm. Jovic, our favourite man, missing two guilt-edged chances, I'm afraid. Two chances to pull them back into this game. And there was a lot of chances for Fiorentina because I was mm -hmm. looking at the stats prior to actually doing this recording. 19 shots on goal. Um, but yeah, despite that, I think the difference is into Wivensaki, they've been in these occasions mm -hmm. so many times. They know what to do, but more importantly, they know how to defend. Yeah. Like they, they didn't need to do too much. And whilst they kind of absorbed quite a lot of it, they were able to counterattack and they had their chances as well. So it wasn't like kind of onslaught upon onslaught from Florentina, mm -hmm. but it was just the quality on the day. I think the players, they're used to those occasions. And that's that's just the difference. It's just the experience. Yeah. So 
if anything, Fiorentina got nothing to worry about because this is good experience to set them up for that Europa mm-hmm. Conference League final now. Um, so that might give them a slight edge. But Rory, how, how did you think, like, obviously Fiorentina took to this match? Were you impressed by how they kind of approached it? Yeah, I thought they might be a bit cagier to start with, honestly. I thought mm. they might like try and ease their way into the game and kind of get a level, get a steady foot in yeah. and then see like the lay of the land. Mm. But obviously, I think Inter was so accommodating in that first goal. Like the, the marking yeah. from Acerbi and um was it Bastoni, two centre backs. Bastoni, yeah. Yeah, the marking was absolutely atrocious and they were just, just able to run through and then Handanovic kind of falling over but not really falling over incredibly slowly um yeah. managers to obviously let the goal in i think it's a good finish mm. from gonzalez a great run but i think yeah. that was it maybe surprised fiorentina a bit as well that they were in mm. the lead and then it was like okay we now have to maybe their game plan was score a bit later and hold on and now you're like five minutes in and you're like okay do we hold on do we keep going what happens here and i think they kind of got they surprised themselves a little bit, but I thought they played incredibly, incredibly well. Lots mm. of lessons to be learned for the final coming up. So, okay, what yeah. what do we do if we are up early? Yeah, exactly. How do we defend and slow the game down? Because um, I think once the Martinez equalizer went in, it kind of felt inevitable that the second one was coming. Yeah. Um, but I was really, really impressed with Fiorentina. Also, the other player that I wanted to shout out was Bonaventura, who was just unbelievable mm, yeah. in that in that like number 10 role. He's been quality for them all season. Obviously, scored the winner at the San Siro this season as well. He's yeah. got a few big goals. Um, and I thought it was just a huge performance from him. Um, mm. But yeah, him... <clears throat> sorry, him and... Um, and Gonzalez, outstanding. Gonzalez, yeah. But the funny thing is, when the chances fell to Jovic, the first thing I thought was, oh, well, there's our talking point for the pot. <laughs> he had two headers. Now, one yes, of the headers, yeah. one of the headers I want to say was really like he how he didn't at least get it on target kind mm. of blew my mind. I know it was at a funny angle, kind of, but he just had That's so true. much of that that he had so much of the goal to aim at. I'm surprised he didn't force Handanovic into a save. Um and I did think if they'd if they'd have fallen to Cabral, maybe it would have been a little bit different. But even Cabral, I think he's been so good in the conference league, but then so anonymous in Serie A mm. that it also feels like it's another striker where they're just like a lot of teams, they're just missing that one bit. Like Chelsea, who I'm looking at yeah. just over the screen, they're just missing that one piece to actually put the ball in the back of the next. So I think the way they played was they played very, very well, but to go to Inter, they've got that striker who does put the ball into the net. He gets two chances. He bags them both. They were both pretty instinctive mm. finishes. Like, not a lot of time yeah. to think about it. Just bang, gone. And I thought, I looked at it, and now everything is through the lens of the Champions League final, right? Everything you look at is <laughs> yeah, in terms yeah, yeah. of the Champions League final. And I just looked at it and thought, that is enough to scare City. That mm. is a, like a striker who doesn't need opportunities. No, he, at the moment he doesn't need opportunities. Give him one, he'll mm-hmm. score it. And I think yeah. it was just an incredible performance from him. Um, and he was in, just so key in turning it around. Another incredible performance from Chalanoglu. Um, yeah, it's just today it was released that he's going to sign a new two-year contract. I yeah, think they said. Yeah. Um, so he's extending, which is massive for them. To think he was a free signing. I know how impactful he's been, and he's arguably. Mm been better than Ericsson has been or Ericsson was at Inter. And I think yeah. when Inter left, when Ericsson left for obvious reasons and, you know, it yeah, was yeah, un- un- for unfortunate reasons as well, when he left Inter was 
super scared about how they were going to replace him because despite having a rocky start to his career at Inter, he had mm. become a very key player. So I think yeah. once he left, Inter were like, well, we can't just go out and get another Ericsson. What do we do? Um, so they thought they can't just go out and sign another Ericsson. But mm. in Chalonoglu, what they've got is someone who does his job and maybe even more because I feel like he wins the ball a bit more than Ericsson. He's a bit more of an all-round player than Ericsson. Yeah. Um, have you been surprised by how impactful Chalonoglu's been? Because I think he really was outstanding last night. And even in the semi-finals as well, he was incredible. He's been a real key player across the second part of this season. Yeah, certainly. I think he's grown personally for me over the last few seasons. And I think what mm. also probably helps it um, in terms of that situation is how much he hates Milan. And just every time them to play, <laughs> yeah, like you can true. tell he's so fired up for those games. But I think he's also there to kind of prove that he is quite better than maybe Milan fans expect mm -hmm. him to be. Because I think there was um, a piece around how he rates himself to be like one of the top five midfielders in the world, basically. And a lot wow, of people okay. laughed at him because of that kind of yeah, self, well. like, <laughs> you know, maybe he's got that from Jake Humphreys. I don't know. Yeah. But um, <laughs> certainly um, that high performance that uh, Jake Humphreys <laughs> talks about uh, certainly brushed off on Chernologu. And um, yeah, I, I just feel he's become quite adaptable as well. That's the mm. interesting thing, because if you think about how he was first positioned when he first joined. Obviously, he's kind of diversified his roles. He's become a lot more of a Remanista in the middle of a park, you know, and he's like doing a lot more than when he first came to the club. So he's improved his all-round game as well. That's, that's mm -hmm. the important thing. And I think that signing has proved like not just a bargain, but an incredible find because, I mean, just to be able to mould him, and I think that that's the impressive bit, is he's been able to mould, adapt and work alongside what is already quite a good midfield, is been impressive and that's been really useful for Nzagi because he's been able to rotate that midfield so many times as well and not worry about that quality as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is obviously a few exceptions, like Gagliardini, for example, Vicino in previous seasons as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, to get a tune out of him and, you know, I, I think, was it was around 6 million euros a year, mm -hmm. I think is his wages, seems a hell of a bargain. So you yeah. think like the top kind of midfielders in the Premier League, I'm sure he could slot into most mm -hmm. teams right now. I think he's yeah. that good. He's that impressive. I don't know if he's the most impressive in Europe, but I mean, like you kind of alluded to, since Ericsson's moved on, they haven't actually felt like they've lost out in terms of the quality. No. And no. That, that's the impressive bit. I think also you just think about signings like De Marco as well, like how impressive he's been on that left-hand side. He gives them the balance and, you know, he's able to whip in crosses. And this thing is just the philosophy at the moment. We we probably have a go at Morate around his signings and the philosophies of like squeezing when it comes to selling on players. But actually, he seems to get a lot of bargains at the moment. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's some more lined up for this season when it comes to close as well. I think there's going to be some more on the horizon. 
Yeah, oh, definitely. And there's some big players mm-hmm. up on the end of contract this year. Like you're looking at yeah. um, players like Gundogan. Uh, there was another one in my head, but it's just disappeared. Um, it feels like there's a lot of, I feel like I've yeah. heard about a lot of big players up for free this year. So I think he's very good in the transfer market, isn't he? And with free transfers, like you said, there's going to be some hits, there's going to be some misses, but ultimately yeah. it's less of a risk if it's a free transfer in theory. If you sell yeah. them on for anything, you've made a profit again <laughs> yeah. in theory. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, it's a very clever way of working with the market. And Inter, back-to-back Copper Italias, is pretty impressive. That is very impressive, mm. I think. Again, for Inzaghi, yeah. and I think we mentioned it on Monday as well, like for whichever team goes and wins this, this is like the the warmer for the other final. If you know what I mean, you're going, okay, right, yes. one final done, now on to the next one. And I think for mm. Inter, this is that kind of thing of like, I think Inzaghi's only lost one of the eight finals he's played in as a manager it's now. Incredible. Or he's, he's incredible. been in charge of. So this is another one of those, look, this is what I do. This is what we do. On to the next one. It's just a little boost for that. So I think, yeah, good times for Inter. Five um, trophies now under the Zhang ownership. Um, yeah. Including the Scudetto. So not bad. I know that they're, they're on the brink yeah. of a lot of stuff, but they're pre- that's a pretty good haul when you think about it. Um, and of course, of course, after the game, there was footage on the bus of Brozovic smoking. And again, I thought, how on <laughs> yes. earth does that guy run 20 kilometers a game? I just don't understand. Rory, I think they were all smoking, to be fair. Yeah. I think I yeah, saw yeah. everyone pretty much <laughs> have a Cuban on their hands, basically. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they were all doing it. It just doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me. I've seen me. so They've many. Got, oh. uh, yeah, there were scenes of them all dancing in the, um, in the changing room afterwards. And I've seen so many tweets and it's like the two videos alongside. It just makes me laugh. And it's like Man City. It's like tactics, pressing, uh, like, and it's like uh, analytics. And, and then it's just yeah. Inter, them all dancing, power of friendship. <laughs> it's, like, it's, so good. it's just like, yeah. It's Smoking so in your face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's so accurate. It's going to be like football geekdom against the power of friendship. And we're going to see what happens. <laughs> I quite like it. But Algori Inter, an incredible win. Unlucky Fiorentina. But I think mm. this isn't the end of it for you. Um, Italiano is mm. doing an incredible job. I think he, if he's with you next year, because Mil- Milan could be looking for a manager, if he's with you next year, you could really, really push on. Because the improvement we've seen in that team in the second half of the season has been insane. Because Fiorentina would it's hard to think that they were down in 16th at one point and people I know. like myself yeah. even said it is Italiano yeah, in trouble. I it. Mm. To think of that now is pretty insane. And you're looking at the table going, oh, if they'd have just done a bit more, they could have got into Europe again this year. Like, mm. So I think it's been a really good turnaround from him. Good times in Florence. Um, but from yeah. there, I think um, we wanted to talk a little bit we wanted to talk about it on Monday, um, We want, but we kind of couldn't really fit it in. We probably should have found time, but you know what yeah. we're like. We always run over, but we feel like we do need to talk about this Vinicius story in Spain, yeah. unfortunately, and talk about just how we feel about, I don't know, how the Spanish game is appearing out of this, how Spanish fans are coming out of this, how the Spanish Federation is coming out of this, how Vinicius is coming out of this. There's a lot of kind of <laughs> angles to talk at it from. Um, but let's start with hmm, anybody blaming Vinicius for any of this. You're an arsehole. You're wrong. I'm sorry. None of this is Vinicius's fault. Like, we just need that as a baseline fact, right? And then from there, mm-hmm. we can talk about the rest of it. So 
the videos I'm sure we've all seen now, yeah, it's pretty tough watching, right? Do you want to talk us through what happened? Um, well, essentially, it starts off with Vinicius Jr. kind of being distracted by this one fan. Um, by all accounts, the protocols were taken into consideration here. So he finds a fan just doing racist taunts to him, um, but, yeah, quite vicious, um, flags it up, but he gets easily distracted Um Referee calls them off, basically. They have their conversations and Carlo Ancelotti is actually thinking at this stage, by all accounts, from what I've read, he is thinking about bringing him off because of what yeah. he's been subjected to. But um, carries on, proceeds, they carry on with the match. But then you hear the chant of mono, 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 which is monkey, 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 basically, all basically aimed at Vinicius. Vinicius Jr., obviously, you know, he he just basically breaks down, essentially yeah, breaks yeah. down to the point that just the emotions runs high and it's basically towards the end of the match and gets into an argument with the Valencia players. Um, what What's weird is then, like, you feel like that moment when you see the clip, it's like, okay, so he's getting this racist abuse. Um, he's been told to just get on with it, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're playing this corner, but then the referee is called by VAR to look at a situation, which is basically him grappling with one of the Valencia yeah. players. Now, the problem is VAR has clipped it to a point that they haven't shown the full kind of <laughs> action of what happened. So they've yeah. only clipped it to the point of showing Vinicius basically grabbing hold and putting a player in a like a choke, like headlock, basically, basically, essentially. Right? Is, yeah. yeah. Um, so it makes it look worse than actually what it has basically happened, I suppose. Um, and subsequently, the referee decides to send him off, which is like just incredible given what Vinicius Jr. has just gone through. Yeah. Players around him are in disbelief. This is the Real Madrid players, and they're having to just tell him to just, just walk off. You're just going to have to leave, mate. Yeah, ridiculous, yeah. but we'll deal with it later. I think that's what they're basically saying. To, yeah. to the point you've got Cortar at that side of the pitch, at the end, like the final third, basically saying, just get, get off the pitch. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. this is shit, but we will deal with it, basically. Yeah. And uh, Vinicius Jr. kind of tells Valencia, you'll be going down into the second division, basically, <laughs> while he walks off to more booze, basically. Um, Which, full respect to him for that. I'd have been flicking huge, a lot worse gestures at him. Yeah. But you can tell the emotions just got yeah, to his yeah. head. He's had enough. And um, Carlo Ancelotti is shaking his head as well while this mm-hmm. is going on. Can't believe what's happened. And then I suppose it's the aftermath, really, Rory, because it's the aftermath is probably yeah. more baffling than what's actually happened on the pitch, which is just so strange. Because well, this is for this context, was, yeah. the ninth, nine incidents with uh, Vinicius Junior being subjected to racial abuse. So this is ridiculous. But go on. No, no, well, I, I was just about to say, yeah, this is like just the beginning of it. So then you go, okay, right? VAR have clipped the video clip. We've now got full access to the video where it looks like the Valencia players instigate it and they're they're going towards him and Vinicius Junior's kind of almost being attacked. It looks like he's definitely not the aggressor, the first aggressor in that yeah. incident. We've seen that. Obviously the the Spanish FA will have access to that as well, right? They'll yeah. be able to see that. They'll be able to turn around and go, okay, rescind the red card at least. At least yeah. rescind the red card for fuck's sake. And then 
you can deal with every person that was in that stadium, right? Um, yeah. But no, Tay Bass comes out on Twitter and doubles down and kind of victim blames um, <laughs> victim blames um, Vinicius, saying like, "I've given you the opportunity. You've not turned up for these things. We're doing everything we can." It's blatantly lies because the yeah. the protocols haven't been followed. Carlo Ancelotti has asked for the protocols to be followed. The referee hasn't done it, and as you said, there's been nine, at least nine, widely reported on incidents of racism around Vinicius before games, including Atletico Madrid fans having an effigy of him hanging out, hanging from a bridge in Madrid. Um, crowd sing, singing all sorts about him before the game as the bus is turning up. Like this guy has been a victim, a targeted victim of collective racist abuse for at least a season and a half now. And the the Spanish FA have sat and done nothing about it. Then when the when the case with Atletico Madrid goes to court, they say, "Oh well, it's a derby, and it was only for a short amount of time, so it doesn't count." <laughs> so not only do they hold up the red card, they then have a chance to act on it. They actively choose not to. And then, mm-hmm. do you hold any hope for them acting on this Valencia thing? No, they've turned around no, and said not. they're going to ban the four fans who have been found guilty mm-hmm. of racist abuse when we've all seen the video. Now, I'm not yeah. saying ban every fan, but I'm saying shut the stadium for the rest of the season. No fucker watches. Nobody gets it. Yeah. I don't care. And if it, if it takes it, first month of next season, I don't care. However yeah, yeah, long yeah, exactly. it takes for a message to be sent, you have to do something because that was the whole stadium. I don't care if you were chanting Tonto or Mono, you knew what the person next to you was chanting and you didn't say Shagol. So I think you've all got a collective responsibility there. And I just feel like watching that video, it was really hard to watch. Mm. And I retweeted it on our account and just said, this is hard to watch. Now imagine living it. Imagine being the person that all of this is happening to and none of it's your fault because when you score, you dance. Yeah, exactly. because you don't sit there and take abuse and just smile and not say anything. Like anyone, anyone in the world, if there was people shouting and screaming at you, you would want to say something back and you would say something mm-hmm. back. I just think this, like, and I don't want to compare things because in Italy there are equally as many problems with racism in stadiums, yeah, never yeah. to this full scale, right? Never to like a whole stadium, but we've had whole stands. I've been in the stands when it's happened. But I think what what needs to what needs to happen is it just the lack of action has just been incredible it's it's not surprising mm. but it's just been incredible and i think who who is the person who's the decision maker that is going to push this through is it Seferin at uefa who's going to turn around and go right finally something has to be done i'm going to force these fa's into doing something is it infantino at fifa who's every race under the sun depending what day he's woken <laughs> up on like is it him that's gonna force this through like so what do you do like what do you do and then even nike come out and say oh we're gonna we're gonna start a campaign pro vinicius which is fine cool fine but i think we've all had enough of campaigns I think yeah. we've all had enough of slogans and buy this t-shirt to support that and buy this wristband to support that. It's mm. a nice message. It's a nice feeling. But the cynical side of me thinks Nike are just trying to cash in on this. And that's been super cynical. But that's Nike trying yeah, to cash yeah. in on it. I think everyone's just sick of slogans. We need the FAs to step up and just fucking do something. Just ban, yeah. close grounds, whatever it is. Just close it yeah. and just say, right, you are not having fans again. I don't care if you're in a relegation battle. It's your own fault. 
you will not play in front of a fan again until we are sure that you've done something about this. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. in England, there are lots of problems with 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 racism in yeah. with racism in stadiums. It tends to be isolated incidents. It doesn't make it any better. But after the eighties and nineties, with the improvement of the stadiums, with the laws that cracked down on football hooliganism, we were able to target people and kick them out of the grounds. And it mm. has made a massive difference in the stadiums. And I just think it needs to happen elsewhere because that's the only way to stop it is to just stop these morons from being able to turn up. But- yeah, and I, the, the other thing, though, Rory, I want to kind of allude to here as well. This seems to be a cultural issue with Spain in particular. Spain in particular, because even when you're talking about the Estevas kind of statements where there's Mm -hmm. very zero empathy, it's more of a fact of, and when you go into research, they don't know what to do in these scenarios. They don't really tackle the issues head on. So this is not the first time this has happened. And I think it was during COVID season, there was that one incident where a player got racially abused on the pitch and he had to be pulled by his mates to carry on playing, despite him just saying, I don't want to play. I'm not playing playing. that racist. And I've forgotten who that player was now. But I think Rory also... it's just really strange comments from Pepe Reina as well. Yeah. Um, We've obviously tweeted it on our account, but just what was going on? Because it seems to be this culture. We've even come across it on Twitter, Rory, about some fans seem to think that Vinicius is the provocator here. Like what, what, what is it that they seem to have the issue with? I mean, I appreciate he is, like sometimes maybe over egging it but if you're in that situation where you're getting that racial abuse like i would not be surprised of that player trying to make a stance and going like this is crazy i shouldn't have to endure this basically and making a scene about yeah. it because that's just disgusting like i can't the problem we've got rory is that we can't really put ourselves through that we don't know what's going through their no. heads what the, because we've never really been subjected to it like no, no i've um, never had anything like that no, ever I, the only thing i've ever had in my lifetime was a bit of xenophobia but i kind of yeah. brushed it off um, but other than that, I'm no no way am I in a position to kind of yeah, say yeah. how that person feels. So I think that's the other bit that's missing here is that we don't know what they're actually having mm-hmm. to endure because this is just ridiculous. But the lack of like understanding of like what to do as a protocol because I mean, if flares and that kind of things happen, they seem to have a protocol in Spain. Mm-hmm. But for this, this seems to be. Oh, it's a law thing. We can't control the crowds, yeah, but we yeah, can yeah. just point them out. And you're like, well, for your actual game to prosper, you need to rid this yeah. kind of out of your game. You can't encourage it to be a cultural acceptance. And that's that's the problem with Spain as well. They've well got I think it's true with it. Yeah, there's a, there's a huge cultural aspect there of like the strength of any law is the willingness to to enforce it. That is mm. what makes any law, right? Is you being like, no, we are going to enforce this. So having a protocol written down on a piece of paper doesn't make a difference. What you actually <laughs> need to do is go, and we're going to stick to this. And this yeah. is going to be the rule. But obviously the, the cultural thing there is the lack of willingness to do it, the lack of care. The people who are blaming Vinicius Jr. about it, I don't really want to say, but I think what they see is a person that they think is lesser than them sticking up for themselves and they don't like it because they think that person should just take it because you're lesser than me. You are not 
worthy of sticking up for yourself. So get back in your box, know your place, and be quiet. That's the attitude that it stinks of. And the person I argued with on Twitter this week, that's exactly <laughs> the, uh, the the argument. That is exactly the vibe I got off him was just the guy should know his place. He should shut his mouth and be quiet and just put up with it. And I just think you're a racist. Just yeah. you might not admit it. You might not say the bad words. You might not, but in your head, you're a racist. And I just think mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of people are exposing themselves over this. Um, yeah. They're really tweeting an opinion, and it's not going well. Even Didier Drogba has put his head up and ranked uh, racism ahead of homophobia in the game, and had a little dig. And you're like, for God's sake, Didier, right. like just hire someone from PR or something. Just let someone <laughs> else run your fucking social media account. Um, yeah, a lot of people are exposing themselves here. But we just wanted to kind of have our say on it, I suppose, and just say we're yeah. disgusted by it. Um, and last, last thought on it. Sevilla fans, Sevilla are playing Real Madrid this weekend. And Sevilla fans have said they're not going to turn up to the game in protest of um, Vinicius's behavior because they do not support the fact oh, okay. that he might, you know that he's holding the Spanish FA to account. So they're having a protest pro-racism, which is a pretty ballsy hill to die on, Mm. I'll be honest. (laughs) That is quite the stance. Um, So we'll see how that one goes. Um, But Real Madrid, it looks like, are willing to fight this, and they're taking it as far as they can. Um, I don't often have a positive word to say about Real Madrid and their owners. this is true. But um, for this, I think they're really doing what they need to do. They're sticking up for their player. They're making sure that this is... And I think alongside Man City, they can afford the best lawyers in the world. So they will make sure that yeah. this goes as far as it needs to go. So fingers crossed. And for Vinicius, I just think, man, just keep doing you. You're one of the best players on the planet and you're going to absolutely tear it apart. And just, I'm really sorry you have to go through this, but just you do you, man. You'll mm. be fine. You'll be absolutely fine. But we wanted to talk about that for a bit. Yeah. Um, we're going to leave this section on a bit of a higher note uh, because yeah. it's a bit of a tough transition, I think. And we're going to yeah. talk about the start of silly season. Silly season's beginning, um, and the transfer rumors are kicking off. It's all all the agents are getting on the phone. They're starting to scream, scream into the wind. Um, yep. Adam, are there any stories that have caught your eye so far that we could there keep an eye out over the free, summer? Free, free to, to kind it. of bring to the table. So the obvious one to start off with is Mason Mount. So um, I did do an episode with Charlie from the Blues Brothers mm-hmm. podcast, and obviously... That was one of the topics. So it appears that Mason Mount is warming to the idea of joining potentially Man United. There are other suitors, one being your very own Arsenal and also Liverpool, who have been kind of making sounds previously, obviously, about this. But yeah, it feels like um, Mason is considering their trip up north and going up to the M6 uh, onto Manchester. So um yeah, what do we think? Do we think that's a good move for him? And I mean, given the circumstances that, you know, there's so many midfielders at Chelsea, I think he probably sees his future elsewhere. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> Arsenal's an interesting one as well. Mm. Um, do you see him potentially being tempted to join Arteta? I think I, I, Mason Mount's a player I've been confused about because I know that managers absolutely love him and I'm not quite sure mm. what he does. Um when we got when we got linked to him, I was like, okay, if Arteta wants him, I trust him. I think Arteta knows. I can trust Arteta's recruitment by this point. Yeah. Um, but 
it's not a signing that would excite me. Let's say it's not one no. where I'm like, oh yeah, go get Mason. Sweet. Yeah, that's gonna really yeah, yeah. kick on and we can like, you know, I'd much rather we got Declan and that's where I'd yeah, want my like, yeah. focus to be. But I think for a side like Man United, he's not the type of midfielder they need, I don't think. No. Um, I think they need someone a bit more um a bit more box to box. Like Casemiro needs to mm. have less to do on his plate. They've got the Bruno Fernandez creative role. I think he needs yeah. one a bit more box to box than Mason Mount is. I could see him doing really well under Klopp. I could see him mm. doing really well under Klopp because I think Klopp coaches and develops players incredibly well. Yes. And I think they are missing that kind of midfielder to keep well they're missing all the types of midfielders on yeah. Liverpool but yeah. I think they could do with that midfielder who keeps play taking over that little bit yeah, of creativity exactly. I think he'd do really well at Liverpool so it'd be interesting to see I think though he'll end up at Man United what do you think yeah it feels like that but there was also prior to these kind of rumors there was also that kind of slight hint that uh, Thomas Tuchel at Bayern was tempted to bring mm. him across as well so given there's move. been a lot of rumours about Joshua Kimmich potentially moving on mm -hmm. as well, I think it all depends on the future of um, Thomas Tuchel at Bayern because also yeah, well. <laughs> heard the stories at Bayern, uh, Oliver Kahn might not have a job by the end of this season because there's a general <laughs> vote at the board level. So it feels like his role might be on the cards. Samuel Halenjic as well, someone that's been kind of mm -hmm. notorious for that kind of transfer dealings. He's been scrutinised because obviously... The Sane, Mane, they haven't maybe been yeah. as fruitful as they expected. Um, but yeah, question marks over Tuchel, especially given the slip up over the weekend in Germany as well with Bayern Munich slipping up against Leipzig at home 3-1. Mm -hmm. So that has given the kind of steering wheel to Borussia Dortmund in that league position. So let's see. Come on, come on, keep, keep it quiet. Keep it, calm. Keep it quiet. Keep we don't jinx keep it yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um but yeah, I, I think I'm I'm agreeing with you. I think Klopp would be a better fit for him. I just mm -hmm. think, you know, with that midfield, he's going to get plenty of game time as well at Liverpool yeah, because yeah. looking at that midfield, it needs an overhaul. So I think that would be the best place for him. But I suspect money will dictate here. That, that's the yeah, only yeah, thing. Yeah, and yeah. he'll be, I think, in Ten Hag's team, much more of a rotational player. I can see him playing Quite games, possibly. but not necessarily yeah, yeah. every game, if that makes sense. Um, Rory, the other ones that I did want to bring up. So let's go a bit more Serie A with this one. Skamaka. So Skamaka, <laughs> obviously not having a great time at West Ham, it's fair to say. I think Fucking it's hell. fair to say he's also had probably a bit of a falling out with David Moyes because, yeah, yeah although he is injured, he hasn't been really favoured. Now, um, there's two clubs that have been linked with a potential loan move, one being AC Milan. And it seems that like that's quite a you know, firm interest in that one. But then we've also got Rory at Juventus. Uh, apparently they're lining him up because Vlaovic yeah. is being basically offered to every club in Europe at the moment. Does anybody want to get yeah. wants to get out of there, right? Yeah. Um so that yeah. that was a classic one. Um Skamaka back to Syria. I think that feels like a good thing, but yeah, it would clubs really, involved. What do you think? It would really disappoint me because I really wanted Skamaka to come to the Premier League and absolutely tear it to pieces because mm. we saw how good he was at Sassuolo. Yeah. And I think he got a few goals for West Ham. Obviously it wasn't as prolific and as like hit the ground running as West Ham fans would have liked. But I think from West Ham fans I've talked to, they saw enough where they were like, yeah, okay, this guy, if he had a run in the team, 
he has a solid run. We start to play to his strengths. You can see there's a player there. Obviously, there's been a bit of a falling out. I think David Moyes bringing in Danny Ings basically meant yes. that Skamaka was going, like bringing in that replacement in January and just being like, yeah, this. I'm sorry, but yeah, it's not working out. I actually think Milan would be a quality move for him. I think that would be unbelievable. I think he would be class for them. And they need him. They need a striker yeah. like that. They want that big physical striker, technical, like absolute monster. Like we'll fight and scrap for everything. Like mm. Giroud isn't that like physically, no. he's not as aggressive. Let's say he's quite physically demanding, but he's not as aggressive. I think he's just kind of like a younger replacement for Giroud with a bit more violence. So I really think <laughs> he's like, I think he's would be a perfect fit. When I saw that, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what Milan need. And I think that would be a very, very good move for him. Juve, mm, I think they might struggle to get someone to buy Vlavic, honestly. I saw the only club that's mentioned I've seen is Chelsea. And I just thought, I think yeah. if there's a striker that could continue Chelsea's number nine, number nine curse, mm. it's Dusan Vlavic at this point. I feel like he might go there and completely flop. Um, but I don't know if there's going to be a line of suitors for Vlavic, really. Because I think mm. Arteta has already said, unless a player wants to come to Arsenal, we have no interest. Like I, He doesn't want to convince players. He's not no, in the yeah. game of convincing players to come. If you don't want to come here... Why are we going to sign you? So I don't know yeah, if exactly. Arteta is going to go back for a second bite of a cherry when a guy's turned him down. Um, United maybe, but they mu- they definitely seem more focused on Harry Kane at this point. Um, mm. Man City, they've got a robot Probably up front. Not. They no, definitely yeah. don't need him. Liverpool can't no. afford him. Like I think you might be struggling to get someone for Juve to think to get at least what they paid back. Like we yeah. all saw the the picture of the video yeah. of Ferguson this week, like oh eighty million, Ooh. Ooh. Like, yeah. it does make you realise that's how much they paid for him, right? Um, yeah, and he was one of the most exciting strikers in Europe. It's still in there somewhere. I just think Juve might be struggling to find a suitor. So I can see Skamaka at Milan. What do you think? I think that would be a good fit. I, I do question whether he'd necessarily get the service sometimes because I feel okay. like. If you need to be in the role that you've suggested, you you really need to make yourself kind of available. And I don't know, Skamaka likes to have the ball at his feet sometimes as well. So, you know, whereas Olivier Giroud is a little bit more opportunistic, he'll kind of scrap mm-hmm. for the ball at times when he needs to. But he's also very clever with the ball in terms of, you know, setting up his kind of teammates when they're doing runs. I'm not always convinced with Skamaka. He's always been that maybe clever when it comes to that kind of setting up one touch movement, really. (laughs) He's not. Remember, he had Berardi. He had obviously Raspadori next to him back in the day. So I I don't know if he's necessarily that fit. But on his day, you know, he's a really good striker. I've always thought that he was more inter. Inter's type okay. of player, but I don't. <laughs> I don't mad. think Inter will go for him. I think, if no. anything, we we spoke about it on Monday. I I do fancy Bobby Firmino. Yeah, um, we, we're we're going to keep pushing that rumor think... until it gets to Marotta, <laughs> yeah. and then Marotta's like, "Oh yeah, Firmino, that's who we need." Yeah, yeah clever, clever Anglo-Italian <laughs> podcast. Um, but yeah, let, let's wait and see. I, I I suspect there'll be more suitors. Um, and on Vlaovic, I think uh, Bruce. Uh, 
I said Borussia Dortmund. I was thinking actually Bayern Munich would be a good place mm, for him. That'd be a great given fit. that they yeah, need yeah. a striker. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, let's wait and see. Um, but I'm going to move on to the last one, which is Oof. Neymar, the big, big <laughs> man. He's obviously been ah, told to do one from PSG brilliant. because clearly they want him off the books. There's only one real club that can go for him. But I thought of another one, Rory. <laughs> Um, so obviously the main one that's been rumored uh, is Man United. Of course it is. is. Of course insane. it is. Of course, of it, course is. it is. The marketing guys are all over this. Um, <laughs> but the I club suspect... that never learns. The club exactly. that never learns. But given the context of the team that you mentioned earlier, Chelsea might not be a bad shout for him, given that they need a striker. They need someone that's got a presence about him. Um, but genuinely, though, Roy, someone who I takes April off, whatever it is, when's his sister's birthday? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's got Tiago there as well, Tiago yeah, Silva yeah. to help him out. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, why not? Why not have Neymar in the Premier League? I mean, I think he's, um, you know, he's, it's he's, an opportunity, right? He's obviously an incredible player, right? He's obviously incredibly talented. And I know there's a lot of people that get very defensive about him on Twitter. Yeah. But and it's like, okay, right, yeah, he had a couple of good years at Barcelona. I think what what do I think? I think United, this is classic. Um, well, it's just fucking classic United. No matter yeah. who owns them, post Ferguson <laughs> being in charge, it's just like, right, we need the biggest name. I don't care what it does to the changing room. Can we just yeah. get it, please? It just feels like the most United signing ever. Would he come in and score like 40 goals? Yeah, probably. But he would also mm. piss off everyone else in the thing. <laughs> yeah. And the whole, the whole season, they'd be like second, but nobody would be having fun. I just think yeah. like it would be that classic, almost Ronaldo type deal. Um, for Chelsea, it would be even more hilarious. What do you need in a change room that has no identity, no cohesion, nothing, no ideas? You need someone who's only going to think about themselves. That's what you need. Like, <laughs> and make it all about themselves. I just think it would be, I don't know which scenario I prefer for him to turn up and ruin Man United or for him to turn up and ruin Chelsea. Both are quite appetizing, I'll be honest. And quite um, funny. <laughs> and that's before you even get to how much money you've got to pay for him and pay him. And his yeah, dad. Exactly. Like it's uh, it, yeah. it just blows my mind that anyone would really go for him because he's also been in France for a very long time now. It's been yeah. like four or five seasons, right? At least. Yeah. And he's just managed to get these sign-ons as part of his contract. Yeah. So these these are the things that PSG got caught up with is basically mm-hmm. they wanted to appease him, if you remember back in the day. Yeah, this was prior yeah. to Messi being there. And he was like kind of seen as the godlike striker, but it hasn't transitioned into what they expected. You know, mm-hmm. they thought he would bring in the Champions League and it hasn't happened, basically. So, I mean, I think only under Tuchel did potentially that squad get the best out of him. Other than that, yeah, I can't yeah. recall a team where PSG having Neymar has actually excelled. Um, Obviously, Goldtier has had like loads of plasters and, you know, he's been battered from pillar to post about how they've performed this season. Pochettino had it the previous season. It it doesn't feel like you can get a harmony with Neymar anywhere in that squad. And I've never been personally a big fan of his. I've never really got the vibes. I mean, he seems to turn out for the national side occasionally when he is called upon. Um, but apart from that, I, he's just 
he's just one of those players that really disappoints me because of all the hype that he had when he was a 16 year old you know there's all this hype talking about he's the next generational kind of yeah, you know yeah, yeah. player from brazil and i think when you kind of mirror him against the likes of adriano for example i think adriano achieved more than him and that that's you know and that's probably yeah, that's a stretch sometimes when you look at it in a situation point of view, because probably Neymar scored more goals and he's probably won more domestically. But yeah, I, I just I feel, feel like, like his impact, you, oof, his impact yeah. on football, maybe. I don't know. It's it's difficult to measure, isn't it? Because I think I also think he's a player that if we'd have grown up with him as the big player, we might have been obsessed with him. I think the fact that we're a little bit older, like if he was there instead of El Phenomenal when I was like eight years old, yeah, I would have been fine. obsessed with Neymar. So I think for the younger kids, maybe he is like that, but we're just a little bit old and cynical and just like, who the hell is this guy who just keeps doing flicks and just doesn't really do anything? I think maybe there's a bit of a perspective thing there. I'm not sure, but I I, I see what you mean. I think him going to France was basically him. I, I don't care if I upset people who watch League Gun, but it, it was him basically just saying, yeah, I'm... I'm I'm done competing at the top table, really. Yeah. Because he could have gone yeah. to he could have gone to England, he could have gone to Germany, he could have gone to Italy, and all of them would have been better options, I think, for remaining relevant. Whereas in France, PSG not winning the league by twenty points is causing their fans to riot. If you know what I mean, like that kind of sums up the league. If you know what I mean, so I think look, it'd be interesting to see Neymar in the Premier League. It'd be fun. I'll tell you that it'd definitely be fun. Yeah. Um. So we will see what happens there. But I think this is like the first shot in the air to signal a pretty mental summer. I think this summer's going to be mm. a bit a bit mad. Um, the Premier League is going to piss off a lot of fans from all <laughs> the other leagues because there's going to be some mad money thrown about this summer because Arsenal are building, City are building, United are building, Liverpool are building massively. Chelsea have got Todd Bowley. I think every club, Tottenham have got to do a lot of work. I think there's, <laughs> yeah. a, I think there's a lot of clubs going to throw around daft money this summer. Yep. So we will see, hopefully... Declan Rice to Arsenal is just one of them. That's all I want. To say. <laughs> yeah. Can we just start with that and then just go forwards, please? That's the one I want. Um, yeah. But guys, we're going to take a little quick break here. And we're going to leave the transfer talk for now. And we're going to come back to preview. Oh my God, can you believe it? It's the final weekend of the Premier League. Mm. Final weekend. Final weekend. Before... Yep. And we've got the playoffs. Exactly. So we're going to take a little mini retirement now. And we will see you... <laughs> On the other side. Hi. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th. Only on Hulu. I'm Phil Brown, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian podcast. Oh, that was a lovely mini retirement. Do you feel relaxed? I feel oh, relaxed. I, I enjoyed that cup of tea, Rory. I enjoyed it. <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> so we are here. Here we go to talk about the final Premier League season. And it is, we've got to start with the relegation battle. It is mm -hmm. going to kick off this weekend. We have <laughs> Everton... Now, let me just quickly run you through the fixtures. I need to change tabs. We've got Everton taking on the already safe 
Bournemouth at home. Mm -hmm. We've got Leeds taking on Tottenham at home. And we've got Leicester taking on West Ham at home. So all three of the teams at home, all three of them against teams that have secured safety or are playing for nothing. Mm. Um, Let's start with Everton against Bournemouth. Um, How do you feel this one should go i'm gonna look at their head-to-head but what are your first thoughts when you look at this? yeah so i'm gonna take any stats away from this kind of feel i feel like bournemouth cause a shock i think they go and win this by a separate goal it could be like a number of goals being scored in this but a single solitary goal might be enough rory to drag them into it subject to the other two results um but yeah i i'm not confident about everton they kind of given us some false I don't think everton the are confident about everton. their fans are they've <laughs> definitely gone down that route already they can't afford to go down and i suspect that'll be what will be driven into their kind of team talk as they go out though it's going to be think about the dinner ladies at the training ground think about the people that you work with that that that's what's going to be kind of going through a lot of those kind of sh- shouts i suppose at half time or prior to the matches i think yeah there's huge repercussions um but yeah i just don't feel confident with everton i just don't know if they've got enough in them i think they've had a lot of injuries they're relying on mm-hmm. certain players to really perform um I just feel, and I don't know about you, I feel like there might be some results in the other games that might pull one of the other two out. Yeah, I feel like people could, people are going to get help, aren't they? Somewhere, someone mm. somewhere will get help by how the fixtures yeah. lie. But I was just looking at their head to head. Bournemouth beat them 3 0 last time earlier this season. Everton were 2 0 down within 25 minutes. Um, the game before that, Bournemouth beat them 4 1 in the, in the Carabao Cup. The game before that, Bournemouth beat them 3-1 at, at Everton. The game before that, Bournemouth beat them 3-1. And so Everton haven't beaten Bournemouth since the 13th of January 2019. Now, wow. when you think about that's a team, sorry, but like Bournemouth, um, that's a team that you would have expected Everton to have got a result or at least a draw against somewhere recently. Yeah. So I feel like the head-to-head really doesn't go in their favour. Also, the injuries, I'm looking at their injury list, obviously Coleman is still out hopefully yeah. returning to football at some point. But Mikolenko is out for this one. Um, and I think that mm. could be a big miss. He's a player that I think Everton fans themselves have said that he, he definitely has deficiencies, but yes. I think um, his technical ability is very good. His commitment is very good. I think defensively, he's actually pretty yeah. decent. Um, so I think he could be a big miss for them. Him on top of the Seamus Coleman being out is just like leaves this huge hole in the game yeah. or in their in their team, I think. So that could be a massive, massive miss for them. Um I was just looking at their run of form as well. They've won like one in their last ten games, and that yeah, was like mad five one win against Brighton. Uh, which yeah. I think Gary which Neville picked as his random. surprise of the season, which I absolutely loved. That's like top draw from Neville, that unbelievable. Um but yeah, I don't really hold out much hope. I think even Everton's no. goal scoring in the last couple of games, they're kind of getting one a game, more or less. Mm. Um, so they are scoring. They just can't just can't keep them out at all. Those back no. doors are so wide open. Um, and Bournemouth, on the other hand, we should give them their props, if you know what I mean. They've been safe for a yeah, while. Exactly. But that being said, they've lost their last three and scored one goal. Now they have played mm. Chelsea at home, Palace and United at home. 
So they're not the yeah. easiest games, but of course not. It does kind of feel like Bournemouth, once they've secured safety, might have taken their foot off the gas a little maybe. bit, which is fair. So maybe there is some hope for Everton. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot, kind of, and say, Go give on. me a score. 2-1 Bournemouth. 2-1 Bournemouth. I am going to say... Uh, sorry, Evan fans. I'm going to say 3-0 again. I'm going to say 3-0 <laughs> Bournemouth. I'm going to say Bournemouth turn up early and just absolutely do them. Um, yeah. Sorry, Everton fans. So next in the relegation <laughs> battle, we have Leeds taking on Tottenham. Now, I think weirdly, Leeds might be in better form than Tottenham at this point. Yeah. I'm just going to look weird. at the table. Um, Tottenham have lost three of their last four and Leeds have lost. Oh, no, no. No, the Tottenham have at least won no. one. Um, Leeds yeah. have won, uh, lost three and drawn two. Drawn two five. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so Tottenham been absolutely stinking. Zero reason to play. There's a substitute teacher in charge. Um, <laughs> everything's falling apart. Ellen Road is going to be rocking, right? The atmosphere has yes, to be pumping. Yeah. It has to be. But... If they start badly, that stadium is gonna shit itself. So I think yes. Tottenham, it, like if Tottenham get a bright start, Leeds could absolutely crumble because the stadium will be like, oh wait, we're actually terrified. So how do you see this one um, going? And then I'll chuck in my five cents. I think they get something out of this, and the reason I say that is because I think with every game that Sam's been in charge. They have admittedly played a lot better, mm -hmm. a lot more yeah, yeah, clinical. Yeah. They've been a lot more trying to push the agenda. I think under the likes of Jesse Marsh and Xavi Garcia, they kind of lost their way a bit. They didn't know what they were doing at times, mm -hmm. and I think they were lost. Whereas now they ha they've got basically no choice. They've got to basically just stay up. That that is yeah, yeah. the moral objective here. Um, and I, I think they, they genuinely look like they could do it, but they have to stick to Sam's plan, basically. The only problem that I've got is looking at that last game against West Ham, they look so leggy. They look so they exhausted. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I don't know if it's you or someone else, but yeah, Luke Ayling seems to be pulled out of position and just <laughs> knackered, absolutely yeah. shattered. And I, I think that that is the problem that you're going to have certain players that are going to be dragged out, um, which could be exploited by Spurs when you think about their attacking third, yeah. who they've got up there. So I think it, it's going to take a hell of a performance. But like you say, the crowd will be up for it. Um, they've already joked about they'll happily take Suella Braverman's three points <laughs> off her as well. So <laughs> you know what? I, I just I, I feel like there is a goal. Um, and they, you know, the last time they were at Elland Road against Newcastle, they did get some goals. That, yeah, that yeah, they played the well. They played, they played really well, well in that particular match. I just think they know what the occasion is. Let's see what happens. But given Spurs and the way they are as well. I think this plays into Leeds' hands. If it was a different opposition, I think it's a different maybe game set that you're thinking mm -hmm. about. But I think the morale of that Spurs squad is all over the place. They, they clearly look like they're shadow of their selves from the beginning of this season. Um, 
and yeah, Harry Kane is must be just thinking about which club he's going to take up now because I, I can't see I can't see him really putting too much of a performance. He'll probably try and want to go out with a goal. We'll get one. But that's about we'll it. We'll get one. Yeah, yeah, that's we'll definitely it. get one. I, I can't see um, him doing much. Well, the last game between these two was an absolute mm. barnstormer, four three. Um, ben oh. Tanker getting goals in the 81st and 83rd minute to secure the win. Right. Um, as Leeds were 3-2 up at that point. Jesus Christ. Oh, they chucked that one in, didn't they? Proper chucked that one in. Um, but so hopefully another barnstormer, another couple more goals. Mm. Um, I'm going to say that Leeds get a draw. I'm okay. going to say they get a draw, which would put them one point behind Everton. So what do you see happening for this game? I think Leeds will pull it out of the bag and they'll get a result. So I'm going to call it another 2-1, but in favour of Leeds. So let's say that would put them one point ahead of Everton on 34 points, according to our predictions. Yeah, That will put them one point ahead of, Ever- ahead of Everton, Everton on 34 yeah. points. So then the last one we need to discuss, Leicester City taking on West Ham. This is a huge one again. Leicester have looked absolutely bloody hopeless. They really are looking at a lot of goals in their games. 2-2 against Everton, 5-3 against Fulham, 3-0 against Liverpool, and 0-0 against Newcastle last time. I don't think people were pretty surprised by that one. Um, Mm. But Adam, how do you see... This one going. Bear in mind, Leicester won the last game. They won in London 2 0. Madison and Barnes getting on the score sheet. They did, but I feel like this is going to be a much more tense affair. And um, despite the qualities of this Leicester City squad, um, they haven't really necessarily shown it in the last few games. And I think the last game against Newcastle is all you need to know about the approach that they've taken is basically they've gone back to basics. They are just grappling with the reality of potentially going down. Um but they are just going back to basics. And I, I feel that isn't necessarily what Dean Smith knows how to play. I think he mm. prefers to play a more expansive style of football. Um, but for me, Rory, I, I'm seeing this as being a draw purely because I think West Ham are going to rotate their team ahead yeah. of the Champions uh, Europa Conference final, should I say, sorry. Not yet. Um, not yet. Not, not yet. Champions League. One yeah. day, one day, one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, I do feel like um, there'll be certain players that will also want to show what they can do, maybe mm-hmm. put themselves in contention of that Europa Conference final as well, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the element that we have to remember because whilst Leicester are going to be trying to make sure that they stay up, I think sometimes their defence have been left wanting at times. Like, um, you know, even goalkeeping-wise, they haven't been very strong. I know they've got Iverson, the young kid, in goal at the moment. Um, but yeah, I feel, I feel in the middle of the park, they've also been wanting. That's probably why Yuri Tillemans hasn't been on many like teams' lips at the moment. And yeah. They've had to introduce Dennis Pratt, who I actually think is a good player. But he, mm-hmm. he obviously came back from his loan spell at Torino. Um, came back and he's been favoured again because the, he's that kind of player that you want in that middle of the park. But yeah, I the problem is, is, yeah, you need players like him in that team. And I, I feel like there's not enough of that quality in this Leicester City squad. So, Rory, I'm going to put it to you. I think this goes goal-scoring draw and it'll be 2 all. So for your predictions, we will have 
Leicester and Everton going down on going the down. final game of the season. I am going to say that West Ham win this. I'm going to say that West Ham win this relatively mm. comfortably. I think the pressure gets to Leicester. I think West Ham are coasting now, big on a boost of confidence, fresh off the back of that Leeds win. I think they will they will um, rotate, as you said. But like you yeah. said, Four Niles wants to start the final, man. He wants to yeah. He wants to put his name on that team sheet, right? Maybe Skamaka exactly. is injured. Maybe Ings gets to run out. <laughs> he wants to start the final, right? I think you're going to get yeah. those players that are like, this is my chance to put my name on that team sheet. Yeah. So I think West Ham can do it. So that means that both of us have Leicester City. It's Leicester City. Bleh, Jesus Christ. Leicester City <laughs> and Everton going down. It's been a long day, a lot of teaching, guys. I'm running out of words to talk words um so it means we have leicester city versus and everton going down which now means mm. that neither of them somehow neither of them will go down and we would have adjusted <laughs> it properly leads will go down twice i don't know what happened but it'll mean that neither <laughs> of that neither of that will happen um that's the relegation battle for now um for the rest yes. Of the Premier League, it's all kind of sewn up. United won 4 mm. 1 in the end. I turned it off at 2 0. 4 1. Joao Felix getting another goal in the 89th minute um, when it was do? 4 0 already. Um, but the only game with anything riding on it really is Tottenham and Aston Villa. So Tottenham, as we said, take on mm. Leeds. We're expecting them to lose or drop points. Yeah. Aston Villa <clears throat> will be taking on Brighton at home, freshly qualified for yeah. the Europa League. Aston Villa will be hoping that they can qualify for the Conference League. Um, do you think Villa can get anything against Brighton at home? I, I totally expect them to do mm -hmm. that because I think Brighton have got what they needed to achieve. So they're probably party partying on the beach, literally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think also this gives the Zerbi an opportunity to maybe give those lesser players that haven't had like a chance to play in this game. So I suspect we might see a bit of a rotation from Zerbi with a mindset of maybe next season. Whereas mm -hmm. for Unai Emery. Obviously, he wants to finish on a high. I think that would be a great achievement, given the circumstances that Villa were at the time. So that would be a great turnaround. And like I've already alluded to, I cannot see Spurs doing anything, really. No. Um, so, yeah, it'd be just desserts for what has been a painful season for Spurs. So, um, yeah. yeah, Rory. What about you? How do you feel? Yeah, I agree. I honestly agree completely. Yeah. I think Villa played so well against Liverpool last weekend as well. I yeah. think they like really are. They're running into this. They're like sprinting yeah. into this. I think we've kind of I've I've compared it in the past to like the playoff run where that late team qualifies for the last mm. spot because they've just got momentum yeah. and they really kick on. And I feel like that's what Villa are at at the minute. They've got that clear goal in their mind. It would be huge for Aston Villa to have European football again. Mm. It would be massive. And I think Emery has just come in and been like, that is our goal. We can do it. So I yeah. fully expect them to do it. I hope they do it. Fingers crossed they do it. Um, that's all of the Premier League stuff, really. The rest of the games don't yeah. really have much lying on it. We've got Brentford against Man City, Man United against Fulham, Chelsea against yeah. Newcastle, Arsenal against Wolves. I don't know if I'm even going to watch that one. Um, Southampton <laughs> versus Liverpool, and then Crystal Palace versus Forest. That's all. That's it. The Premier League is done. It will be done. Um, so we're going to jump over to Serie A uh, when I click this button. There you go. We've jumped over to Serie A. Um, <laughs> and we have a little bit more time in Serie A. We've got two weekends left. Uh, so this is the yes. penultimate weekend. Still lots and yeah. lots on the line in terms of the relegation, in terms of the race for Europe. So, Adam, mm. do you want to take us through the main fixtures that we should keep an eye on 
this week. Yeah. So obviously the one of the games will take place tomorrow, which is for you listeners on a Friday evening, and that is Sampdoria taking on Sassuolo. Not a lot to really kind of say about this game. But I think, Rory, we've covered it a few weeks already on the trot. It's all about the relegation battle. So we'll mm-hmm. take you into Saturday's game. So that is Spezia taking on Torino. Um, huge game for Spezia because, obviously, last weekend, Rory, they didn't play out a very good result against Lecce. It was a classic. Yeah, classic for the commentator <laughs> in the 79th minute when he rejoiced <laughs> after that one shot on target. Um, but in theory, Rory, I feel that Spezia will probably have enough quality to at least get a win here. Yeah. Torino probably safe in the knowledge that there's not a lot to be achieved here. Um, do you feel that is likely to go ahead? Yeah, well, the thing with Torino games is there's very often not many goals. So I feel like like I like Juric as a manager, but it's not particularly exciting. Um, no. So I think, yeah, it could be another... I'm going to say don't watch this one, which now means it'll be a 4-3 classic, but I <laughs> yeah. can't see many goals in this one. But maybe, maybe Spezia snatch it. Maybe. Well, we'll push through and we'll go through the other kind of fixtures so we've got Fiorentina taking on Roma at 5pm um, I call this out because Roma still have a shout of Champions League if they push it um, big ask because Fiorentina will be a bit wounded from that Coppa mm. Italia loss um, but also Rory will kind of combine this into take on Atalanta another team that is looking to be in that top four mix at the moment um, they'll obviously will potentially know about the result from the Roma game just prior to kickoff anyway so gives them a bit more impetus but I think Inter the form that they're in also will be trying to make sure that they get second place because they're only two points off Lazio as it currently stands but we know this is kind of a bit of a derby as well because it's Bergamo down the road from Inter so yeah I mean those two games in particular Rory how we fancying this do we feel like Jose will turn up with Roma and get some points in Fiorentz? I think Roma are so difficult to predict. They've drawn their last three games. Mm-hmm. Um, they've not won since, well, they've not won in Serie A since, Jesus Christ, really? Since April, they last they beat Roma, they beat Udinese 3-0. They've not won in Serie A for wow, a very, a long very time. long time. Um, they've drawn one, two, three, four, five games, lost to Atalanta, lost to Inter. So their their form in, in Serie A genuinely has mm-hmm. been horrific. And when you look at Fiorentina, bar the kind of loss in the cup in the cup final they've been yeah. doing pretty well so i think if Fiorentina at home I, i'd fancy them to get something here really um mm. obviously roma as i said are very hard to predict but i think Fiorentina gets something there inter atalanta inter's record against atalanta is mad like atalanta haven't beaten them since like 2018 i want to say mm. um yeah 2018 november um there's been a lot of draws in there, but Inter beat them 1-0 um, earlier on this season in the Coppa Italia. They beat yeah. them away earlier this season. So I think Inter get another win here. Atalanta, another very, very unpredictable team. And just a bit of a nothing season for them this season. It's just felt mm. like it's kind of slipped their fingers. Yeah, it does feel like a bit more inconsistencies creeping in for Gasparini's men. Um, we'll move into Sunday's game. So there's three big ones for me. So early kickoff is Hellas Verona taking on Empoli. 
here were saying Hellas Verona need to win to just give themselves a chance. I've kind of predicted this to be a win for Hellas. Um, but if I quickly move into the other two games, Rory, and then I'll get your thoughts. So we've got mm-hmm. Monza taking on Lecce. Lecce in desperate need of the points themselves. So a point here, probably not enough, but it all depends on the other results, right? And then we'll move into late kickoff, Rory. 7.45, the big game, Juventus oh. taking on Milan. Milan in desperate need just to oh, maybe cement themselves away from it because... Like we say, Juventus have been docked the points, but if they magically win this game, they put themselves back in a shell, regardless of what happens with the others. If anything, it puts them into the European shouts. Now, yeah. I was listening to another podcast. That might be a good thing for them to do because if they are being threatened with like elimination from Europe, they would probably take that as long as they qualify for Europe this season. Because if you think about it, if they don't qualify for Europe and then next season, say they win the Scudetto, let's mm-hmm. say hypothetically, they would still not be able to compete in the Champions League because they've still got this ban to yeah, set up. So yeah, technically, yeah. they'd probably want to take this ban if they're uh, going to be entered yeah. into Europa Conference League or whether that be the Europa just, League itself. It doesn't matter. And just, yeah, just yeah. doesn't matter, right? Um so, yeah, some big games there, Rory. If we start off with Hellas, I mean, they're a side that we thought were on the up and then they've just blown it in the last few games. But obviously the big thing here is whatever happens with this result, they've got to then go to Milan on the last day of the yeah, season. And we don't know what, what Milan's positioning will be as well. Yeah, it very much feels like Milan are going to be playing for something. So yeah. instantly that's not a good sign for Hellas. Empoli have just come off slapping Juve 4 1. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I think what you could get is a bit of the like after the Lord Mayor show where Empoli just don't turn up because they're like, have you seen what we've just done? Mm. We don't have to win this. Yeah, week. exactly. So I think maybe Hellas can get something here, but I'm going to say a draw because Empoli are still a decent side, but I don't think they can get, I don't think it's possible for mm. Empoli to get two good results back to back. I just don't think it's possible. <laughs> they always seem to drop the ball immediately afterwards. Um, for Lecce, um, is Lecce taking on... Wait, Lecce away to Monza. To Monza. So. Lecce lose that. That's a Lecce yeah. loss. Sorry. There's, there's no way Monza lose at home to Lecce. Their home form has been incredible this year. Um, yeah. They're a team that, despite having not a lot to play for, they are absolutely killing the end of the season. <laughs> they are just... Yeah. They keep, keep notching up wins, and they're just climbing up that table. And I think they must be on a bonus based on position because they're just marching <laughs> and they're, they're eighth. Okay, they can only if... Wait, uh, my math is terrible. I think they'll they only secure it. Basically, yeah, yeah, they can't get any higher than eighth at the minute. So if they win this, they'll secure eighth and that'll be a very, very, very good season for Monza. So I think with Lecce's troubles, Monza get a win there. And the last one was, sorry, Juve Milan. Jesus. Juventus That's going to be an absolute That's a big war. game. That's going to be a war. Is... There's going to be two red cards. You think it'll be two red cards? And not necessarily okay, for people enough. on the pitch. It could be a coach. <laughs> it could be a manager. We know what Serie yeah. has been like this season. Yeah, it could be yeah, after the final definitely. whistle. But I think there's going to be two red cards in this game. That's going to be an absolute scrap. Do you feel um, Juventus will be hurting from that Empoli result and trying to put <laughs> yeah, things I right, so. though? Because their season has been a bonfire from start to finish, hasn't it? But I mean, just the inconsistencies of this squad really is telling at this point of the season. I think it's also like to to try and show a bit of empathy. I think it must be really bloody frustrating if you're a player 
and you've taken a points total, you've taken a points yeah. deduction, and you've finally scrapped your way back into the thing. Mm. Like, right, we're in Europe. We've got it. We're working. We can do this. And then the points are taken away again. <laughs> like, I can understand it. It must be incredibly frustrating. And consistency will suffer at that because you don't know where you are. Mate, your it, yeah. Motivation works when you have a clear goal in mind, right? When yeah, you have that exactly. clear, this is the aim. We can motivate ourselves go. If you don't know if all your hard work is going to get taken away from you at the end of the season, regardless, you're going to dial in a few performances and just like, yes, I'll just empty away. I cannot be bothered. (laughs) So I think, yeah, all this to say that they could, they could beat Milan at home and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Yeah, exactly. As a big middle finger to everybody, if you know what I mean. So I think, yeah, we will see. But regardless, I think there's going to be, that's going to be a good one. That's going to be a proper, I think, aggressive. I fancy fancy Liao for this match. I don't know why, but something tells me he's going to be up for this match. So, um, yeah, as long as they can release him, Tonali in the middle of the park, I I think they could be all right. Uh, Is Benacer back for this one? I don't think, I think he's out for the season. I think they're saying that he's out for the season. Yeah, he's saying early October, which is quite a a long one, to be fair. It looked like a bad one. It did look like a bad one. Um, But Mm. I think that is the Serie A preview done. Um, We do have one little thing to... Oh, no, I already wrote the banner. Um, Playoffs (laughs) weekend. I was wasting time. Playoffs weekend. Um, Adam, take us through the final, and I can finally, I know the listeners have been waiting. I'm going to finally reveal who I want to be in the chat in the Premier League. Exactly. Well, we've got the contrasting teams here, but both, obviously, people will kind of reminisce about these two. One, purely because of their stadium, and the other being a former Premier League team, and that is... Coventry City taking on Luton Town. Luton Town, who will need at least eight to ten million pounds just to make sure their stadium is in with the Premier League standards. Um, they've already talked about how mad the next three months could be if they win this one match, Rory. Um, but yeah, they're not gonna have an easy tie. Coventry City, obviously, much unfancied, much like Luton Town, it has to be said. Um, but hard-working side under Mark Robbins. Um, they've got some really useful players. And it, it, I was looking at both of these sides, Rory, and I think what, what is very telling about both sides is how a lot of these players haven't been playing at big clubs. Like, mm. you've got certain players for both that have been, like, at the likes of Accrington Stanley and Eccleston Town. Like, so they've yeah. worked, these pros have worked themselves to work at this stage. They are one game away from making the Premier League, which is huge. And I was going to say this, Rory, I think whoever goes up is going to be automatically the first one to be fancied to go down. But regardless, oh, yeah. regardless of that, it's a playoff game. We know it. form goes out of the window. It's all about who's got the better temperament on the day. Which way do you fancy this going, mate? I like. I think it's interesting because both these teams don't really like possession. <laughs> both, <of> these, <laughs> both of these teams are like the lowest ranking teams in terms of like, or amongst the lowest ranking teams in terms of yeah. like average possession over a game. Um so they do, I think they both average around 40%. So they're teams that don't create a lot of chances, but when they do, they score. And what I also mm-hmm. noticed was they've both got a kind of emblematic striker. So yes. and now I want to try and say his name right. Gjorkades, the Swedish striker. Yeah. Yeah. He's now got 21 goals and 10 assists this season. Yes, yeah, um, And he was at Brighton as well. 
Yeah, and absolutely insane. Another fine from Brighton, although they've let this mm. one go. Um, and then the striker for Luton, I just need to quickly get his name. Uh, Col- Colton uh, Morris. Colton Morris, exactly. Again, has got yep. 20 goals and seven assists. So both of these teams obviously kind of have that focal point that kind of drives mm. the attack. Yeah. And I also... Both of them are fairly solid defensively. So I saw that Luton are averaging yes. less than a goal a game. Um, yeah. Coventry averaging around a goal a game. So I think this yeah. could be a bit of a tight one with the two teams, like a cagey start. Both teams trying to figure out who's going to take the front foot, but with a lethal yeah. attack. And when they do get attacks, they're super clinical. So I think it'll be a really, really intriguing one. And there's a nice story with Luton now. I need to get the guy's name. There's a player that's been Pe- with Pelly Roddix. Pelly Roddick, yeah. So he's from been the conference with them days. Since the conference, and he's going to be, if they get promoted, he'll be the first player to play in every division for one team all the way mm. up. It's insane. Like, just for that story alone, you're kind of like, oh, that needs to be done. Someone needs that record, right? It'd be great. It'd be very nice for him personally. And I hope he gets the chance to actually play a Premier League match. Not like at the end of the season, he hasn't played a game. And it's like, manager, manager, can, can I just have five minutes? Like, just five just minutes. Just let us have just this, will you? Five minutes, yeah. 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 But he's, um, yeah, I've come across him uh, when Wickham played Luton. And he's a fairly kind of um, demanding midfielder, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So he's one that definitely could hold himself in the Premier League. But Rui, I think a lot of hype's been made around Kenilworth Road. So uh, Kenilworth Road being a ground that I think a lot of teams will not fancy turning up at because mm. although there's a lot of vibes around the away end and how you're going through people's gardens to get into the away end, it's all about also the fact that the players won't be pampered. They will actually have to walk to the grounds. Yeah. It's not like they get like special differential kind of experience here. The ground is very tight. It's also, in terms of playing, it's on top of you. That's the thing that yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. Um, players say, that it's an old school ground, creates a good bit of atmosphere. And I think this is the thing that I was thinking of. If there's two teams that go up, and it, between these two, who's more likely to stay up? Just say hypothetically, let's just say. I think Luton do it based yeah. on the home atmosphere alone. I think a lot of teams will go to that ground and not like playing against them. Arsenal will, will lose like it. Arsenal will definitely you, lose there. Ch- Chelsea will lose there. I can guarantee you that <laughs> yeah. will happen. Mudrick <laughs> will not know what the hell has happened, whether he's gone yeah. back to Ukraine or what. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, think, look, I, I've, I've been weighing it up in my mind. Both of these teams I'd be incredibly happy to see in there. Coventry for the history, right? They're a proper... Mm. It's been so long since I've been in the Premier League. When I grew up, they were in the Premier League. They felt like this huge club. Their fans yeah. have been through hell and back with Jesus yes. owners and yeah. playing in Northampton and just everything you can think yeah. Of. they've had shit thrown at them i think they have the stat for like the team that finished in the bottom half of the league for the most consecutive seasons <laughs> like yeah, they've yeah. just been through fucking everything and it would be really nice to see them back in but then loot and town they've got the stadium it's their first time they got relegated the year before the premier league started i think so it was yeah. like they just missed out on it so it'd be this real i think kenilworth road in the premier league kind of has to happen so i'm gonna just say I would like to see Luton there because I think it would just bring a little bit more to the Premier League than Coventry in the Rico Arena. That is literally yeah. the thing. That's that's it. What about yourself? Yeah, I 
I have no love for Luton just purely because I don't like yeah. them. But but that said, uh, I've got mixed emotions because I went to Coventry University, so I know my okay. days in Concrete City, as I fondly <laughs> called it. Um, <laughs> Wasn't the most uh, pleasant of experiences with the locals either. They used to give us dog abuse because we were just students, right? Uh, yeah, um, classic. But classic. Um, but yeah, I did actually take Coventry City to my heart in terms of uh, took in a game down there, and I, you know, nice. I felt sorry a bit like you, like the shit that they've gone through, and that was prior to a lot of that kind of elements yeah, of degradation yeah, yeah. and moving to different clubs at that time they had chris coleman in charge they were still Jesus. in the championship yeah, yeah, at the yeah, time yeah. um i remember in that particular game that i saw jordan henderson was on loan from sunderland that's how Damn. long ago it was hell? and he was right, only yeah, 16 yeah, yeah. year olds at the time which makes me old now that makes me old <laughs> yeah. but um, best not think about it mate yeah. best not think about <laughs> yeah. it yeah. yeah just wishing i could have played at that level um <laughs> but yeah no um so, yeah, I feel, though, the way it's going to go, I feel Luton are going to win. Something tells me just they might have a bit of, like, clever way of getting a game and getting a result. They did it against Sunderland, right? They were mm-hmm. against it. Sunderland were much more fancied in the tie. Technically, I think Coventry probably more technical-minded compared to this Luton side. However, Colton Morris... Good player. I've seen him do it for Barnsley. I think he'll do it again for Luton Town. Um, and like I say, a lot of the team that is made up of this Luton Town squad are players that have played at lower levels and they are one game away. So I think that'll be going through their heads and they say, look, let's do this. Let's do this and get over the line, which would be an amazing achievement for Luton Town anyway. It really would. And to finish, we're just going to talk about the Serie B playoffs. It did kick off tonight as we were recording Thursday night. Brescia have been knocked out 1-0 by Cosenza. Marco Nasty, great name, 19-year-old, getting his fourth goal of the season, fifth goal of the season, um, to secure the win for Cosenza, which brings them into, now I need to get this right, into the semi-final, no, quarter-final, semi-final. Quarter final. Yeah, this is where it goes crazy, oh, right? It goes a bit mad. So now Casenza will have to play the winner of. They have a second leg against Brescia. Okay, it's two legs. Yeah, so they're one nil up in the first leg. The other leg is going to be Cagliari versus Venezia. Whoever goes through those ties will play Bari and Palmer in the two-legged semi-finals. Then whoever wins that will play in the two-legged final. What is it? Nineteen fifty. Why are we still doing two-legged finals? Hang, on, hang two... on, Rory. I've got Sutterol and Regina also. In oh wait, Sutterol and Torino. Yeah, they're also there. Wait. So, so yeah, this is where it's a bit of a it gets a bit mad. So then they all yeah. play. Each... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um... know how it works. I'm just Sorry, thinking listeners. about it. Sorry, listeners. No, we'll get there. So it's quarterfinal stage, Rory. So we've got Suterol and Regina obviously taking place on Friday evening. And on Saturday, we also have Calgary versus Venezia. And then if we're looking at the previous games, no, it's not showing me that. So by virtue of that, then whoever wins the quarterfinal games would then take on the winners of Cosenza versus Brescia. Jesus the way I'm reading this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Now, just to make it a little bit more yeah. complicated, when if the teams are drawing at full time, 
the team that finished higher in the league wins. It doesn't go to, I think it doesn't go to penalties. <laughs> so it goes to extra time, but not penalties. So they'll play right. extra time. And if it's still a draw, the team that finished higher w- goes through, which is such a, how to take all the jeopardy out of extra time. Just make one team defend for their lives because they know that if they just get through extra time, it honestly, it's I mental. could Im- I can improve the lower leagues in Italy if I can figure out the current system. I could improve it in a two-hour meeting, I'm pretty sure. But basically, the only one you care about, listeners, is Barney. And Barney will be in the semi-final, waiting for whoever gets there. And then hopefully Barney get promoted. That's what we all want. I won't hear anything otherwise. But so far, Casenza have taken the lead. The other games, if you do fancy trying to make sense of it better than we have, um, <laughs> Friday night or tonight, as you're listening to it, Sudtirol will take on Regina in the first leg. Mm. Saturday, we have Cagliari taking on Venezia. The next games all kick off the next week, so we'll be talking about them next week. Adam, I think that's everything. We I didn't think, think we had yeah. a lot to talk about this week, but we've done all right. No, we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> yeah. We've uh, ended up screwing our heads with that one, trying yeah. to work out Italian Serie B. But yeah, we'll, we'll get there by next week's pod for sure. So uh, uh, just massive thanks to our listeners and viewers. Hopefully you've seen my vlog on Man City. It took Check that out. forever. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> courtesy of UEFA, for copywriting every bit of content that I had. So... Um, that is the reason why you see on certain bits there's clips of the game and certain bits I've had to use images and that's why. Oh. Thank you, UA for and Sheffern. Damn it. Well, it's there. Damn Check it out. It's, it's definitely worth watching. Incredible work there, uh, Adam. The level Cheers. of patience you showed is more than I could ever have done. <laughs> I would have given up about a week ago. But that's why we work so well together, right? Yes. Um, so, guys, as always, thanks for joining us. We will see you on a live show on Monday talking about European mm. finals. Um, they're coming up. Or wait, no. Oh, we'll be talking about something. We will see you on Monday. We will see you on Monday. We will see um, you on Monday. As yeah. always, hit the like and subscribe button. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. And we've got a guest this week, a surprise guest um, for our quote of the week. So without further ado, um, here we go. So why don't you go for it? Just whatever it is, moving to a foreign country, changing jobs, breaking up with your partner, asking that person in the office who you've always been in love with, whether you can go on a date, having children, like there's never a good time to have kids and that is not sitting in the comfy chair, but you know what, just go for it. Whatever it is, whatever you haven't been doing, it's time to do it. Give it a go, give it a go and fail. Kind of told on yourself there a little bit in the middle, Jake. (laughs) We will see you next week, guys. Podcast Network.